for tuning in to Prophecy the Nation Automobiles Podcast. Um, it's a beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you for tuning in to our Monday. Oh, excuse me. I said I said Monday Sunday service. Okay. Oh my God, Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for starting us on the way. We just thank you for the fellowship that everybody that's going to come on. Please share and like this episode. It really helps uh, the podcast grow. Please share and like the episode. Take a minute and hit that heart. Take a minute and just share it. You can share it through text message. You can share it on all your social media platforms while we are on air, guys, okay? Just share it to one person. You never know who might need to hear the message. But, man, I'm so excited about this today, guys. I want you guys to hear this. Somebody sent this to me. I never heard of this minister before. His name is Isaiah. Um, I'll put his information in the comments, but oh my gosh, he is preaching what I've been teaching and saying for a long, long time, and uh, I can see why they sent it to me, so I wanted to share it with you and see what you guys, uh, how you guys felt about it, so stay tuned, we're getting ready to get started, I'm going to get some people on, and we're just thankful to have you here today, greetings to everybody in the chat room, greetings to everybody that came on, greetings, greetings, greetings. And we just love to have you in here. And um, how's everybody doing and where are you hearing from? Oh, girl, you do not want to miss this. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss what you're about to hear. So get a snack. Get a snack. Turn the volume up. This is some good information. Warfare. Great details, too. So just give me a second here. We're going to get started. Please share. What I need for you guys to do is, oh no, we haven't, we're having a sound problem. Oh God, here we go. This is not what I need happening right now. Okay, guys, give me one second here. This is how the uh, enemy always comes in when I'm, this is some good information that you guys need to hear in the sound system i just got a new sound system and it's still not the best so now it's acting up so let's see here we may just have to do it a different way hold on a second i want to make sure you guys you guys will be able to hear hold on a sec hey you don't go anywhere you're listening to Prophet to the nation on miller's podcast and i'm baby J. have a nice day okay let's see here if you guys can hear give me a thumbs up please or let me know you can hear Can you hear? I'm going to go and um, get my other sound system. If y'all can hear, give me a thumbs up. Can you hear Destiny? Okay. Alright, I'm going to be right back. Okay. 
I'm gonna get the other sound system. I'll be right back, girl. Hold on. Oh man. $1,000 right now? Hi, Rex Moore with The Motley Fool. And if you know us, you know how famous we are for finding these massive technological trends and then finding stocks that can benefit in an explosive way. Stocks like Amazon and the e-commerce revolution, our recommendation up over 20,000%. Or Netflix and the streaming trend up 26,000%. Or Booking Holdings and the online travel explosion up over 8,000% all with our calm, long-term, diversified investing approach. We sleep well at night, and we want you to as well. So what are Okay, guys, so what I'm going to do... The next big world-changing trend? Well, it's 5 I'm going to have to do the next one. Hold on, guys. Could be right here. I'm so sorry. What I'm going to have to do is... Here it is. Let's see if this is going to work.
Okay, guys, we're going to see if we can get the other system to work. Might not, might, and it might not. I might have to come back on. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, the enemy do not want to get this out. He don't want y'all getting this information. Like, uh, no. All right, hold on, guys. Okay, girl. starting in five minutes guys thank you for hanging in with me Okay, we're going to go right into the message because it's kind of a lot of information to take in. Thank you for tuning in to Prophet to the Nation, Autumn Miller's podcast. Sorry about the technical difficulties. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask you to cover this podcast in the blood and bless all those who are tuning in. I need you to guys to tune into this message. It is off the chain. Somebody sent it to me. 
this young man is preaching okay he talks about the same thing i talk about warfare if you are if you um god uses you in warfare or you can identify warfare this is you need to hear this message we all need to hear it amen he is a powerful powerful man of god so we're going to get into the message in jesus name Okay, I'm going to bring it up here in one second. This is why I need a team. When the Lord blesses me with a team, good God Almighty, <laughs> I will be on something, okay? We are having all kind of problems this morning. Let me see. We got it together. And now it won't play, okay? Oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you. This is this warfare right here trying to get this message out. <laughs> Destiny, I thank you for tuning in, girl. Here we go. Oftentimes in churches, and it's not abnormal for witches and warlocks, warlocks being male witches, to come into our gatherings. And oftentimes the Lord will begin to reveal, and I could probably call you out tonight, I won't, but you know what? I can. And the Lord will begin to show me that there are strategies and assignments that are trying to come in this place. And so for the two witches and one warlock that's here tonight, you might be on assignment, but guess what, baby? I'm also on assignment. You might be here to wreak havoc, but I'm also also here to wreak havoc. You might be here to pick a fight, but so am I. And the Bible says that we've been given power over every authority, over every dominion, over every snake, every serpent, every ruler. And as I was worshiping, the Lord said, Isaiah, begin to pray fire, because I want the people to know that I'm sending fire over the enemy's camp. I'm sending confusion over the enemy's camp. I'm sending fire over over the powers and the rulers that are over this region. Friend, you have to understand that our shout is not merely physical. Our shout is not merely natural. Our praise is not merely normal. But we are praising and we are penetrating the second heaven. And we are breaking through demonic powers and principalities. And we are breaking down and dismantling strongholds. I don't know what it is I'm feeling, the shaking, the rattling. It's called strongholds uh, that have been there for years getting dismantled. Uh, some of you pastors are in this house, uh, and I saw you this morning manifesting at the altar. You say, I don't understand uh, that in our church we don't praise or do that. Uh, that's why God brought you here, uh, because God wants to show you uh, that there is another level. Uh, he said, John, I want you to come up here, uh, because I have something uh, in the spirit realm uh, I want to show you. Do you know there's a reason why we're not giving you little cute handouts about five ways to grow your church and three ways to get nobody to the altar and two steps to growing a nursery instead of an army and five ways to remove prayer and holiness out of your church and all the dumb stuff they give you at church conferences because we want you to know that what God is trying to train you with is not natural weapons but supernatural weapons. It's no wonder we're not impacting the culture at these conferences. 
We prophesy over the same people and we go to our little breakout sessions and we learn about how to be carnal and still preach the word of God. We learn how to close spiritual eyes instead of open them. We learn how to preach our way out of spiritual warfare. We learn how to prophesy our way out of holiness. We teach people, oh, you shouldn't talk about that brother. Oh, you shouldn't preach on that brother. Any message that offends people is not a good message to preach. If you want people to come, I'm preaching to pastors and leaders tonight. If your end goal is to get people to come, you will live an empty, miserable existence because our job as leaders and doorkeepers and pastors, I wish I was at the right conference tonight. One second. I'm just making sure I'm not at St. Anthony's conference. Our mission is not to equip you in the natural. It's to equip you in the spiritual. It's to raise you up to begin to threaten hell, to threaten darkness. Many of you are not a threat to the enemy. Oh, my God. Let me tell you why you don't do spiritual warfare. Because you're not on the enemy's radar, and the enemy doesn't fight people that he dates. The enemy doesn't fight churches that are... Oh, my God. He said the enemy don't fight nobody that he dates. Oh, my God. That has come over the church. What did Samuel say to Saul when he lost the anointing? He said, Saul, you have to understand that rebellion is the same thing as witchcraft. You're rebellion to adhering to the holiness of the word of God. I'm not even going to tell you my convictions tonight because I don't want to make you manifest and wiggle any more than you already are. But I'm letting you know that without holiness and without consecration, and without that high level of Christianity, some of you are just at such a low level. And God is saying, when are you going to grow out of the diapers and out of the pampers and graduate into the armor of God? I'm so tired of polished preachers. It makes me want to vomit when I see the preachers of our day. And the ridiculous, they get up there. I was at a youth conference pastor not long ago with thousands of young people, and they wanted me to preach on it at first. And then they said, well, you know, we don't know if we're going to have you because there's a lot of famous preachers. A friend of mine, so he could say this. He says, a lot of these famous preachers, which I won't name because you know all of them. And he said, you know, if you get up there and my message is anti their message, he said, it might just cause friction. And he said, I just got to book them because... Um, if they come, and so I'm going to book them, and he packed out a room of 4,000 young adults at a prominent church in my area, and I began to look around at a building full of young people that were addicted to drugs, that were addicted to video games, that were addicted to pornography, perversion, lust, and sexual sexual things, and I began to listen to these pastors that have no fire and no backbone and no passion preach these young people into bondage. You know how to preach people into bondage. You preach a gospel that does doesn't have deliverance, a gospel that doesn't have healing, a gospel that doesn't have repentance. When was the last time, Pastor, you preach and you couldn't even get through your message because the fear of the Lord even struck you? Paul said, I have one fear as a pastor, and that after all my preaching, I myself might be disqualified. Here's the problem with being disqualified in the ministry. When you run a race, you don't get disqualified in the middle of the race. 
There's many Olympic runners that have gotten their gold medals revoked because they found out they were on steroids. They were on an enhancer to help them run. And we are on steroids in the body of Christ. We are on enhancers and, and superficial things to try to get people in and get people out. And we're using demonic things to help us run the race. Oh and see, what you have to understand is you don't realize you've been disqualified until you cross the finish line. That is why Jesus said that many pastors will stand before me and say, Lord, 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 did we not go to doorkeepers of revival? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not lay hands on the sick? Did we not drive out devils? And the Lord said there is an issue. You were doing all that, but you didn't have a relationship. And there wasn't a burning on the inside of you. There wasn't a passion on the inside of you. That's why some of you don't like your church because you don't like you. My God. Your church is a reflection of you. I have pastors calling. I just don't get it, Isaiah. My church won't come to prayer. Maybe because you don't show up to prayer. I don't get it, Isaiah. My church doesn't shout. Maybe because you don't shout. I don't get it, Isaiah. My church, they don't dance at the altar like they do at Fresh Start. That's because you're sitting there like a bump on the log. And you're sitting down with drool coming out of your mouth. And the word of God is going right over your head. But there are others of us that say, Lord, I need you to do it in me before you can do it through me. I refuse to preach a message that God hasn't pierced me with. I refuse to preach a message that God hasn't wounded me with. I refuse to preach a message that I haven't travailed over. And there's a lot of you that go, I don't know why no one prays in my church. Because you're trying to preach someone into something you don't have. So, Pastor Kim, we preach great messages on prayer. Meanwhile, you have no prayer life. Great messages on breaking out of sexual sin. Meanwhile, you're living your life in pornography and in perversion, preaching great messages. I, I, I see my heroes of the faith, and I watch the sexual scandals in the church, and I, I watch as the men of God fall, and the Bible says, Woe the mighty have fallen. How we somehow think because we're ministers, we are exempt, and we could treat people wrong, and we could treat. I've been in some of my heroes, and I'm telling you, I've gone to dinner with them, and they don't know how to treat their wife, they don't know how to treat the waitress. Oh, but by golly, they know how to prophesy. They know how to decree and declare. you got to get your church repainted after they get done. But they have no character in their life. And without character, there is no spiritual authority. See, you got to understand something about the heavenlies. The heavenly realm is not moved by gifting. Gifting cannot move the heavenly realm. That's why many gifted preachers don't do altar calls. That's why when I was at this gathering, there was no altar call. Because gifts don't deliver. Gifts can't can't heal. Gifts can't demonstrate. Oh, but the Apostle Paul said something interesting. He said, when I preach the gospel, I preach with signs, wonders, miracles, deliverance, and manifestations so that I know that the entire gospel is preached. Because many of us preach in our pulpit but don't demonstrate what we preach. And we're trying to preach people into things that we don't even believe. Why are you preaching on miracles if you never pray for the sick? So the large conference and they preached on miracles for an hour. Never did an altar call for healing. 
and a man came up to me after and said, I'm dying of a brain tumor because he saw me from the internet or something. He said, would you pray for me? And I'm looking around a massive church and I'm going, am I the only one that recognized the presence of God has departed from the church? Friend, let me tell you a sobering reality. And listen, Jeremiah's been traveling for years. I'm not trying to boast or flex. I've been traveling full time going on my 10th year. I've been to churches in all over the, the country. We're allowed to say stuff like this. The American church is sound asleep in the greatest hour of human history. The American church has lost the ark of God. We have traded the ark of God for idols from Babylon. We have traded the ark of God for compromise. We have traded the ark of God for approval and for status quo and for opulence and good looks and talented preaching. I'm going, God, I don't ever want to be polished. The only thing I want polished is my armor. After I slay some demons, the only thing I want my polished is polishing up my sword. After cutting off the head of Goliath, I'm tired of these mamsy pamsy preachers. God told me just in worship earlier, he said, Isaiah, I'm trying to raise a warrior, but all I see in the church is wimps. The pulpit is full of, did, did I say that out loud? Wimps, W-I-M-P-S, not pimps, there, although there is many pimps behind the pulpit, pimping out the anointing, but there are many wimps behind the pulpit. I said, Lord, what do you mean wimps? He said, Isaiah, there's wimps when I'm trying to raise up warriors. He said, wow. there's too many wimps. And so I said, okay, well, I got to Google this because I, I don't even use that word or know what it means. And the word wimp literally means to not complete a task because of fear or because of lack of confidence. And the Lord says, Isaiah, the reason why I'm telling you there's wimps filling our pulpit is because I've given the church the task to bring healing, deliverance, breakthrough, and salvation to hurt and dying communities, and they are failing to do so. And so I, by my grace, have to go raise up drug addicts and crackheads and atheists to preach the gospel. You got to know that God's first pick was not the people on the street. We always preach that. God wants to raise up drug That's not God's first pick. That's God's default because he comes to the church first and do you know a sign that the American church has rejected the presence of God and the rejected the call of God and the, the assignment of God is that God begins to raise up atheists and, and, and different drug addicts. When you start seeing guys like me that 10 years ago was an atheist, full-blown atheist wanted nothing to do with God, didn't go to church for 6 months, was cussing oh my God. dirty sitting in the back of a mega church and had 30 years of my life planned out and God wasn't anywhere to be found. You should get scared when you begin to hear people like me getting touched by the hand of God and God raising my mouth up as a trumpet. I'm telling you, I came to an altar as an atheist and left as a revivalist. I said, God, why choose an atheist? He said, because the pastors wouldn't take the call. He said, because the apostles wouldn't take the call. The apostles were too busy having the name on the business card, but not the name across their spirit. The prophets were too busy in the locker rooms. I mean, the green rooms of the church trying to say whose church was bigger and whose church was more anointed. I got disgusted when I got saved and looked at the garbage that was happening in the green rooms of the church. Oh, but I hear the Lord saying that I'm raising up a prophetic generation that isn't going to strive for green rooms, but it's going to strive for upper rooms. I hear the Lord saying I'm getting ready to raise up a new breed of warriors that aren't going to wimp out, aren't going to sis out, aren't going to spit the pacifier out of their mouth. And say, it's time to go to battle. So, Pastor, why aren't we on the front lines as leaders? Because it's more comfortable being on the sidelines than the front lines. Mm. 
It's more comfortable being on the cruise ship than the battleship. Oh my God. It's more comfortable on the swings of the playground than in the foxholes of the battleground. It's more easy. It's more convenient. It's more comfortable. And many of you are afraid to dive in full head first. And you just want to inch your way into revival. When there is no such thing as slowly going into revival. I love you. Listen, I honor all of you around the country. I was going to start honoring pastors, but this isn't a good time when I'm talking about pastors that are dead. Because they might think I'm talking about them. But this is, there's many of you that are just trying to go ankle deep and then knee deep. And you're doing the Ezekiel theory. And you want to slowly get your way in. And you're just touching the waters. Saying, well, let me see the temperature of the waters. And let me see how this feels. And let me see if this is real. And the Lord says, I'm not interested. And I'm not on your agenda. See, revival will never happen in your church if it's plan B in your mind. Revival will never happen if you could survive without it. Revival only breaks out when pastors and leaders get to a place where we say, I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to program. I don't know how to network. I don't know any strategies. All my plans are garbage. And for me to live is Christ and die is gain. And you say, Lord, I crucify me. I pray that you would consume me. And you lay your life down on the altar of sacrifice. But there's too many of you trying to manage what God says you can only host. Mm. There's one thing God will not let a man touch, and that's his presence and that his glory. And oh, my God. And you try to manage the presence of God in your church, when you begin to try to tell God what he's allowed yep. to do, as if you can tell a God who breathes out stars, who sneezes and galaxies come out, a God that when Moses said, how are we going to get across the Red Sea? He said, hmm. And when he breathed out of his nostrils, the Bible says out of the breath of his nostrils, the Red Sea was open. And God says, well, that looks like a good way out. You're talking about a God that declare the end from the beginning who said before the earth was formed the lamb was slain you're talking about a god that left humanity wrapped himself in flesh got up on a cross and took your place he didn't die so that we could warm a chair he didn't die so that we could have dead churches he died to give the church the keys to death hell and the grave he died to give you all power and to give you all authority i wish somebody would rumble in this house. I wish somebody would shout in this place. I wish somebody would give the devil a black eye. Where are the spiritual snipers? Where are the special forces in the army of God? I'm bored on the sidelines. I couldn't do religion if I tried. And I just want to say I honor every pastor that survived doing religion. I want to say I want to honor every single one of you that show up on Sunday morning and preach a 30-minute message, a five-minute offering, and a two-minute altar call where everybody repeats the same prayer after you and you keep giving the same cards and counting the same people and have 50 people in your church and you never go out and you never pray and you never fast and you never cry out and you never shout and you never have passion and you never have desire and you call yourself a church. I want to honor you because it's impossible for me coming out of the lifestyle that I came out of to come to a dead, weak, anemic, no-backbone jellyfish church. God did not draw you all this way. If you got on a plane or drove, I talked to many of you from other states, you might as well go head first in the river and say, God, I need you to delete everything I think I know about revival. And I need you to rewire my mind. I need you to rewire my spirit. I need you to take me to a new level because I'm no different than the layman sitting in the same place for years and waiting for something magical to happen. Let me tell you that nothing is 
is going to happen in your ministry, in your church, or in your house if you don't get up off your tail and contend for higher vision. If you don't get up off your tail and begin to cry out to God and say, God, I'm nothing without you. God has been trying to crush you all year. I got to a place in my life where I said, Lord, just crush me then. I'm tired of constantly fighting what you're trying to do in my church. I'm tired of constantly fighting what you're trying to do in my ministry. You know, the Bible says rebellion is witchcraft, but not only that, it says no one ever preaches this, that stubbornness is as idolatry. Here's what God is saying. God is saying you would never bring your little golden idol and bring it to the altar and lay down and worship it in front of your whole church. He said, but because you're stubborn, stubborn is the same as idolatry and you're stubborn. Every time I ask you to do something, you're stubborn. You're always fighting my plan in the ministry. You're always fighting my plan. I'm trying to strip you of your reputation. I'm trying to strip you of your dignity. I'm trying to strip you of your pride. Pride and revival can't dwell in the same house. Dignity and revival have never been able to coexist. See, revival is going to cost everything. What is the price to a fresh move of God? It is laying everything down and say, I'm going to pay a high price. Rise. See, many people preach revival gives. Few pastors preach revival takes. Amen. Revival takes. Revival took normal from my life. Me and my wife got married, and I thought, well, I used to go to the movies with my girlfriend. Let me try to go to the movies. Me and my wife, we haven't been, we've been to one movie in the last eight years. I'm not bashing, condemning you. Praise God. If you have a membership, and well, the movies are closed, praise God, you got delivered. But if you're into movie theaters, praise the Lord. I'm telling you, me and my wife tried to go through a movie, left in 15 minutes. Me and my wife tried to go to a concert, leave in 10 minutes. We've tried to go to a baseball, and nothing matters, nothing tastes good. If you've tasted of the fire and the power, see, few of you are going to shout here because you don't even know what I'm talking about. But once you've tasted of revival, it takes your appetite for normal out. You know, the one thing that I can't stand about revival, I can't have short services. See, once you're in revival, there's no such thing as throwaway services. Some of you have your Wednesday night and your Friday night and your Saturday night and your Sunday morning. And you have, you know, the worst speaker preach on Thursday night. The, the decent speaker speak on Wednesday night and then Saturday night. You all show up and kind of just a little bit hungover. And then on Sunday morning, you have the best preacher. You have a great 45-minute sermon, 45-minute altar. I mean, 45-minute service. Everybody gets out. And you live your life from throwaway service to throwaway service. And that's why, the, listen, here's the honest to God truth. A lot of the people in your church are afraid to bring their friends and family because they know that you're not going to preach to the real issues that their friends and family are going through. And the greatest travesty is that we can't. I want you to hear me. We are not able at right now in the state of America, and I'm not talking about every church. Oh my gosh, he's talking about my church. You must see me on Facebook. I'm not talking about your church. I don't have glasses on. You all look like uh, Betty Boop to me, okay? You're all blurry. I can't tell who's who. I wouldn't know the left from right, male from female. I can't even see what color you are. You guys all look like a big blur in my eyes. And you're sitting there going from revival service to revival service, and we are living in an epidemic in America. And the epidemic is called we can't bring the sick and we can't bring the possessed or oppressed or the hurting to the church. Because the church has failed the world in terms of getting them out of the issues only we can get them out of. Let me ask you this. If the church doesn't deliver people, then where are people going to get delivered? If the church does not heal people, then where are people going to get healed? If the church can't restore marriages in the spirit then where are marriages going to get amen hold on one sec commercial break <laughs> okay no i'm not
didn't think they could. They get restored. People are coming to our churches. And you know what's mind-blowing? We, we want them to come back when we're not giving them anything the world's not giving them. Come back next week for what? So I can hear you drool for 30 minutes behind the pulpit and give me a message you downloaded off of Sermon Central and you heard Rick Warren preach three weeks ago? Why would I come to your church when I keep bringing my possessed family and you refuse to do deliverance on them because you're not willing to get trained in the higher things of Christianity? Why would I keep bringing people when every time my cancer patient grandma comes, you don't have an altar call to pray for her and you tell me to wait until the once a year Revival Holy Ghost meeting where you bring in some speaker get excited for a week and then go back to dead religion after why would i bring people My this. if you go to a mechanic and you ask him to fix your car and he keeps giving you your car back broken are you going to keep going back to that mechanic if you go to a doctor and every time you go he does nothing for you are you going to keep going back to that doctor so why do we think the world's going to keep coming to our churches when we're not doing what god has called us to do if we're not laying hands on the sick if we're not driving out demons, if we're not preaching radical repentance and Holy Ghost fire, we are not preaching the gospel Jesus preached, and we are following a demon spirit. Paul said you're following a different spirit if you're not laying hands on the sick, if you're not driving out devils, if you're not seeing signs and wonders and miracles. And let me tell you, when you begin to see God move in your church, that is the only thing that is going to sustain you and to get you through the times of testing and the times of trials. See, what some of you don't realize is that tonight, I know this because, listen, I've been here. I'm one of the founders, okay? I'm on staff here. I've been here. Some of y'all guest speakers trying to be all flat. I've been here since the beginning, y'all, okay? I'm a son of the house. I call Pastor Paul Papa, so I'm allowed to, okay? But you got to understand that the reason why we're losing our mind, the reason why we're shouting, you might have flown in from out of town, I don't know what all this shouting is for, and why is the mic so loud, and why are they so crazy, and why didn't we get home to our thing till 12.30 last night, see you don't understand that before this happened, this happened, you don't understand that this today, right now, what's happening in the spirit is a prophetic word coming to pass, when revival broke out in the book of Acts, and everybody said, you must be drunk. What is going on? Peter said, oh, we're not drunk as you suppose. He said, but this is that that Joel prophesied about, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, that your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. We're losing our minds because five years ago we sat in the back office and talked about tonight. Five years ago, I sat with Pastor Paul and Pastor Kim, and I said, I believe one day, and I'm not taking credit for anything. Listen, I could put this on my resume and retire what God is doing here, and I know a lot of you pastors, I've been telling you, and you guys are so tired of me saying Fresh Start and hearing about Fresh Start, and I told you the same stories over and over, and now you're here, and you finally understand what I was talking about, but I'm telling you, the reason why is because we were sitting in a back room, and we were dreaming, and we were praying, and it was so far-fetched and so out of reach. Imagine, you think six years ago they thought that 30 different states and hundreds of pastors were going to come in here to receive an impartation of revival and awakening. Beloved, I hope you don't think that we're here to give you a good message. I hope you don't think we're here to you fill up a little prophetic notebook and never walk it out. We are here to leave a residue of awakening and a residue of fire. I'm praying that you would go back to your church so on fire that everybody would catch it. I'm tired of hearing about COVID hotspots. What about revival hotspots? Where's the revival? 
revival hogs. I see revival hot spots rising up. I'm telling COVID-19 so contagious. What about Acts 19? Unusual signs and wonders would break out of the hands of Paul and handkerchiefs would drive out devils. I'm tired of usual, normal, average. This started with a word. Every move of God starts with a word. Why do we need prophetic words? Because Bible says that prophetic words help us during warfare. See, you've got to understand that when the war begins to rage, uh, that when you begin to want to give up and want to quit, uh, God came to me about a month and a half ago. I had a visitation in prayer. Uh, and the Lord said, Isaiah, I'm about to assign you uh, to teach my church the secrets of my kingdom. Uh, I'm going to begin to teach you how to bind the strong man. Uh, I'm going to begin to teach you how to break the 37 curses in Deuteronomy. Uh, I'm going to begin to teach you how to deal with stubborn demons. Uh, I'm going to begin to teach you how to set pastors free, uh, how to live the captives, how to raise up my church to be the army that I told Peter. We don't need to try to figure out what should church be like. Everybody's trying to figure out what church should be like. Why are we trying to figure it out? When he said, Peter, I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell won't prevail. I'm going to build a warfare church, not a nursery church. I'm going to build a church of warriors, not a church of wimps. And the Lord said, Isaiah, do you want this? <laughs> do you want what? Do you want this assignment? Because let me tell you something, there's weight with every assignment. Uh-huh. Here's what we don't know about, realize about thresholds. Behind the threshold, higher levels brings higher devils. You think the devil and all of his organization of his kingdom is going to let you waltz right in with your little lukewarm Christianity and try to take over a region? You think the devil with your little coffee shop donut church is going to let you plant a church in one of the worst areas in Chicago and think that you're just going to have a great time? Do you know San Francisco? I preach there every month for the last eight years. Do you know they say that the average church lasts there for three months? There's been literally thousands of churches that have been there and died, been there and died, been there and died. All the most famous people you know, and I don't mention names behind the pulpit because I'm not trying to pick fights. I don't have time to fight. But you know all the people that you know that are famous have tried to plant churches in San Francisco. And the church that I've been going to has been there for 105 years. It was the church that Smith Wigglesworth raised the dead on the column. It was the church that Amy McPherson preached from the roof. And the smoke would come out of the windows. I've been preaching there every month. I preach there eight years straight every single month. And do you know why all those churches fail? I sat one day with the pastor. He said, Isaiah, do you know why the churches don't last. He said because they're not able to handle the weight of the demonic witchcraft and the spiritual assignment that is there. I don't know if I've been in a meeting there where there wasn't witches, warlocks, and people trying to cast spells on us. But let me tell you something about God. God says, I have given you power and I have given you authority. Some of you listen, I love that you're friends with the mayor. Pastor Paul, you already know where I'm going. I love that you're involved in your community and you know all the famous pastors and you're hip and stylish and good looking and you're connected with all the who's who's names of the city. But how are you connected in the heavenly realm? Do the demons know you? I don't care if the mayor knows you. Praise God the mayor knows you and let you build on that property. But I'm wondering if the demons know who you are. I'm wondering if you carry I know. Amen. See, My God. Every threshold is a demon and a weight. Behind every threshold there is an attack and there is a battle. You cannot separate revival from spiritual warfare. In fact, last month, the Lord said, Isaiah, many revivals fail because the pastors are unwilling to dive into the warfare and fight in the heavenlies. And so they wear out in the natural when they're not warring in the spiritual. You have to understand that there are spiritual forces. The Bible says our battle is not flesh and blood. And the Greek translation is this, that our battle is not against persons that have bodies. 
bodies, but against spirits. That we are battling and warring, not against the devil. The devil, trust me, is not fighting you directly, but we're fighting the devil's angels, which are principalities, powers, rules of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness. Where are they? Where are they at? Where do we fight them? In the heavenly places. And we have this demonic saying we created in the American church that says, oh, brother, don't be so heavenly high that you're no earthly good. And I came to tell you that if you're not so heavenly high, you are of no value in the kingdom of God. I came to enlist soldiers tonight. The generals are sleeping on the wall. Where are the voices? God says, will you take up this mantle? I said, Lord, listen. Now, some of you, I know you follow me on YouTube, Facebook, praise God. I know there's pastors. I'm not stupid. I know some pastors are talking about me like, oh, Isaiah, for the last month, oh, he's been talking about demons and curses and spiritual warfare. Want to know where to invest a thousand dollars right set. now? Hi, Commercial break. And if you know us, Ah, spiritual brother, and they're sitting there talking bad. Praise the Lord for you. I just want you to know, I've preached over 1,500 messages in nine years, and I've preached 10 of those on deliverance, so miss me with all of that. Secondly, you have to understand, I'm not moved or swayed by the demon of intimidation, because I was not anointed or mantled by a pastor. I was called by the Holy Ghost, and we have a lot of people that have substituted the voice of the Holy Spirit for the voice of a pastor, and so we have to have these great discipleship programs and I'm going back and forth in my Bible saying wait a minute Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come and disciple you the Holy Spirit will come and train you friend I didn't have a choice in my revival to get involved in spiritual warfare three days after getting saved there was a prostitute in my living room that was manifesting and barking out demons and God says Isaiah I know you didn't read the Derek Prince book but don't worry I'm about to teach you how to drive this thing out and I cast my first demon out 15 days after a beer pong tournament because God is able to disciple you and to train you. See, but here's what happens. My God. Going long because everybody else went long. Taking five minutes extra for all of you that took an hour. Here's what we take away. When we start trying to teach everything, teach everything, teach everything, guess what happens? We remove the need for the voice of God. God is not speaking to our churches because our churches don't need God to speak. Oh, God, we're good. We got it. We have our programs. We have our teaching. We have discipleship. We have our men's group, our women's group, our single group, our married group, our homeless group, our feeding group, our this group, our that group. But we don't have any prayer groups, any revival groups, any deliverance groups, any healing groups, any fire of God. I'm amazed that I get 150 messages every single day on Facebook of people saying, I can't find a church to do deliverance on me when there is a church on every single corner but we are ruling oh the world Come on. when it comes to setting the captives free Hallelujah. we have our mamsy pamsy latte preachers that stick their finger out while they're preaching but don't know how to wrestle demonic powers don't know how to bring down rulers and strongholds and tonight God wants to train you and equip you in the spirit realm to begin to deal with the issues that you're fighting and then i said okay lord i'm an atheist hundreds of people literally are coming to my house i'm saved a month and you know my biggest fear was i don't know the bible i'm getting up and preaching for two hours straight and i'm preaching scriptures i've never read talking about things i don't know and my uncle who's been in ministry 35 years would get up after i preach imagine that i'm I'm preaching shouting yelling and then he'd get up and translate everything i said because i did not know the bible and i said god i don't know how to preach and god says i'm going to put you on platforms i'm going to do this the first time i went and preached to reinhard bonke i wasn't even saved for a year i didn't even know the name of the 12 disciples and i'm over 
you're preaching on God TV, but what you have to understand is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Just don't fear because I'm I going am, to yep. teach you how to preach. Amen, Destiny. I'm going to show you how this happens. Going to teach you, girl. Say, how do you preach for an hour with no notes? I've never preached with notes in nine, 10 years of mission. Never one time in my life have I used notes. Let me tell you why. Because for three months of getting saved, for three months straight, there was not one night I could remember where I woke up in my bed. I would go to bed in my bed, but for three months straight, you could ask my parents, my brother, my sister, my uncle, anybody. They would they would go to my door in the middle of the night and listen to me preach. I would go to the corner of my room in my sleep. My spirit would take over, and I would go to the corner, and I would preach to the corner of my room. And I would preach for hours in the middle of the night. Pastor, I kept waking up exhausted. I said, why do I keep waking up? I would literally wake up on my knees against my wall. I would wake up on my back on the ground. I'm thinking, maybe a demon's getting me out of bed and beating me up at night. I didn't realize it wasn't a demon beating me up. It was the Holy Ghost that was beginning to train me how to preach. And for three months, I learned to preach in the middle of the night. Oftentimes, I would wake up and hear myself preach and say, that's a good word. I hope I remember that in the morning. And my mom said, Isaiah, you are yelling again in your room. You are shouting again in your room. And I would literally wake up in my body preaching. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to teach you how to prophesy. Going to teach you how to preach. Going to teach you how to do deliverance. But when you don't need the Holy Spirit, he doesn't dwell where people tolerate him. He dwells where people celebrate him. Come on now. That's good. I've been to all these churches for years. And I would get to some churches and, you know, they didn't really like me much. And the pastor, I, t- I told the pastor, listen, you need to watch my YouTube first because I have an anointing to shrink churches. God has literally anointed me to shrink churches. I said, so I just want you to know that after I'm done preaching, you're going to have a mess to clean up. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus went to the church, he left with a mess. There was stuff turned over. People ran out. What's interesting is there's no scriptures where people, he, Jesus drove people into the church. Only verses where he drove people out of the church. I believe even after this conference, I need you to hear me, uh, that when you get back excited for revival, you better hear me tonight, uh, that revival will probably and might possibly shrink your church. Uh, we preach the God that wants to increase, uh, and I know these mm. pastors so well, I, I could preach this if I want, uh, but our God is not just a God that increases churches, uh, our God is a God that shrinks churches. Uh, what did he tell Gideon? He said, Gideon, you got 32,000 men, uh, and I'm sorry, there's a battle, Gideon, I want you to fight in your community uh, and in your territory. The problem is that your church is too big and if you fight the battle and have revival with this many people you're going to take credit for what I'm doing. So Gideon, I want you to get up behind the pulpit and I want you to tell all the cowards I want you to tell all the wimps I want you to tell all the people that don't want to engage in spiritual warfare I want you to tell all the people that don't want to see the move of the spirit I want you to tell them to go home and after all that 10,000 were left and God says not Gideon there's too, too, too many people at your church. He said, I'm going to test the people. And after the test, only 300 remained. And God says, I could use those people. Why? Because God doesn't need groups of people or numerical values of people. God only needs willing vessels that he could fill with the power. I wish I was preaching to somebody tonight. Y'all are making me work through my sweatproof shirt. <laughs> God says, I'm looking for people that would say yes. Well, brother, brother, that's Old Testament. Okay, I'm glad you're Pharisee and you asked. Jesus is preaching and Jesus is preparing his message and he goes, you know what Father, do you mind if I purposely offend the 3,000 people I'm about to preach to? And the Father goes, I mean Jesus, you are Jesus, so I mean feel free, go ahead. He goes, okay, I'm going to type out this message. What if I told them to eat my flesh 
and drink my blood. Would that do it or should I get I think I think that's going to do it. And Jesus gets up and goes, okay, guys, I want to tell you tonight that after we get done during the altar call, I'm going to sit at the front of the stage and you're all going to come up and take turns eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Everyone's shouting cannibal, he's crazy, and all the people leave. And instead of what we try to do, we try to clean up. I told Jeremiah he can clean up my preaching tomorrow. We try to clean up the message and make it palatable to the crowds. How could we get Jesus casting demons out of a man from the tombs? How could we shift that and make that just emotional? Oh, Jesus wants to deliver you from your emotional. No, 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 there wasn't emotional change. There was demons in the guy, and Jesus drove that. Oh, but there's a woman bent over for 18 years in the church, and we really don't want to tell people that they could be oppressed or possessed in the church so how could we preach this and so we say oh well depression will bend you down and it'll have you focused on the now we preach the dumbest messages and jesus goes no she had a demon she was in the church 18 years nothing could help her and i loosed her because all the religious people were okay with her being demonized why are we okay with our churches being in bondage when we have the keys to deliver friend if you don't know you've been given keys to bind and to loose You've been given authority in the spiritual realm to change the atmosphere. How many times have you heard this, Jeremiah? We get to a church. Oh, brother, my church is the worst. This city is so full of demons, and we have the worst principalities over our region. I'm going, what have you done about it? Oh, we don't do anything about it. You know, we just, we're just trying to survive. We're just trying to get by, have our little church. Why are you trying to get by when God's called you to engage on the front lines of spiritual warfare? Why are you trying to get by when God is saying, I want you to be activated? See, you can't separate warfare from revival. When God came to me and said, I'm giving you a mantle to raise up an army of believers, he began to show me that the church is not at war. But the church is sleeping in the greatest hour of human history because they don't have a revelation of who they are. They think that they are weak, anemic, poor grasshoppers. When I have given them land, yes, there's giants in the land, but I've given them weapons to overcome every giant in the land. I've given them tools to fight every battle and every power. You need to use the prophetic words to fight the battle every time I'm back. Every time I'm under attack, Pastor Pastor Kim didn't know this. When she said, Isaiah, you're covered, she, she said that. I think she might know what she meant, but she didn't realize that for the last month I've been battling the spirit of intimidation, wrestling the spirit of intimidation. God has given me download, download, and I'm trying to preach. I'm going, God, can you just let me do one? We got a commercial. I want to be someone else who is popular that everyone likes. I want to be Katie Sharp. <laughs> One preaching of just telling them about their best life now. Can you just let me preach one? I'm so tired of talking about warfare. I'm so tired of talking about demons and angels and battles and Daniel 10. I'm just, can you just let me relax? God's going every single time. Every time. And I'm battling intimidation, battling the thoughts of, well, what will this pastor think? And what will that pastor think? And God came to me and said, Isaiah, did a pastor anoint you or did I anoint you? Did a pastor, you have to understand that you are on an assignment you have to fulfill. And there was not a denomination that anointed you. There was not a pastor that anointed you but you need to hear the prophetic word and hear the call of God it is the prophetic words in your life that keep you fighting our revival was a prophetic word from three years prior my uncle was at a conference in Florida Joshua Fowler was preaching and he called my uncle up from the back he said you 
He gave them this long, detailed word I've written down. God's going to raise up your family. There's going to be an end-time army. There's going to be a revival at your house. I mean, gave him the most detailed words you've ever heard. And my uncle went away sad. My uncle went away a bit, a bit angry, saying, you must have got... He literally says this day, he thought that he had the wrong guy. He said, you must have been talking to the guy behind me because my whole family's out there in the world. Nobody wants anything to do with God. He didn't understand that for three years, every time he got weary, every time he got tired, every time he wanted to throw in the towel, he was clinging onto the prophetic word. Uh, said, Lord, you said that I was going to raise up an army. Uh, you said there'd be a revival in our family. Uh, see, the prophetic word keeps you going when you want to throw in the towel. Uh, yes. I got a prophetic word right after getting saved from Bob Jones. Uh, he was at Morningstar and he came up to me. He said, oh, brother, I got a word for you. I didn't know who he was. I said, well, there's just some old guy that came up wanting to give me a word. He said, I see the Lord putting a helmet on you and armor on you. And the Lord says he's going to use you to train people up in spiritual warfare and raising the dead. Uh, and the whole earth will see the power of God. I said, oh, praise the Lord. Thanks for sharing with that, me old man. And I walked away and they said, do you know who that old man? I said, I have no. They said, that's Bob Jones. They started telling me story. I said, wow. About a month later, I was back at Morningstar. I was in a room. I don't know how I got in the room, Jeremiah, because I should not have been there. I got in a room with Reinhard Bonnke sitting on my right. Another guy sitting on my left that planted 500 churches. Rick Joyner, 40 plus books written. All these legends. Here I am having a revival in my living room. I'm going, I don't know how I got here. I must have snuck in here. The Bible says your gifts will make room for you among kings. And I sat there and Bob Jones was on the other side of Reinhard Bonnke, and he tapped right away. He said, would you grab that young man and tell him I want to talk to him? And Reinhard Bonnke said, I think that the guy right here, I don't think Reinhard Bonnke really even knew who Bob Jones was. He said, I think he wants to talk to you. And Bob Jones said, I got a word for you, young man. I said, praise the Lord. Now that I know who you are, I'll actually receive the word. He said, I got a word for you. And the Lord says that you will raise up 400,000 young adults in America, and there will be a harvest like the world has never seen. He said, and what's going to happen after the 400,000? young army rises up is everybody's going to be excited thinking that this was the end time harvest he said but fear not young man for this is not the harvest these are the laborers that you're going to train up for the end time harvest and then he reached over to Reinhard Bonnke said Reinhard Bonnke do you know about them, them angels that have been helping you out in Africa Reinhard Bonnke said what angels he said, yeah, the Lord said he sent, he sent the angel of awakening and the angel of revival. They're about a hundred feet tall and they've been at all of your crusades helping you with the crusades. And Reinhard Bonnke said, I, I don't know, maybe they are. And Bob Jones said, I, the Lord says this to you, Isaiah, that the same angels that were at Reinhard Bonnke's crusades helping them, the angel named awakening and the angel named revival are getting ready to visit you in America and begin to raise up a firebrand. Friend, ten years later and God comes and says, Isaiah, I'm going to begin to train you up like never before in spiritual warfare. And I'm getting back and remembering just yesterday the words of Bob Jones uh, that said God was putting a helmet and armor on you uh, to train up an end time harvest. Uh, I wonder if anybody has a word from God in this place uh, that says, Lord, I know that you want to do it. Uh, let me tell you that Corona has not stopped God's word over your life. Uh, let me tell you that quarantine uh, hasn't shut down the voice of the Holy Ghost in this house. Uh, <laughs> you a word and the word is it's time to enlist in the army of God it's time to fight you have to understand that you are a soldier yes Lord I'm almost done five Pentecostal minutes in his last letter <laughs> he said five Pentecostal don't get entangled the affairs of, of civilian life now I go back to when I first got saved and God ruined everything for me you know one of the things God revival took from me that I was telling Pastor Ken I don't think I've ever I maybe have never shared this with anybody God took my appetite the day I got saved. 
I got saved. I lost about 30 pounds. I didn't eat a, 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 a lick of food for two weeks straight. I told my mom, I said, I'm never eating again. I'm so radical. I'm going to eat the word of the Lord. And she said, if you do that, you will die. And I sat there, I'm not going to eat. And I went weak. And then I went second week. I didn't sleep for three days. I lost my mind. And I literally didn't eat. And one day I find, okay, finally, I'm going to have to eat or else I'm going to die. And from that day on, I'm not bragging. I'm not boasting. This is not super spiritual. I'm letting you know that there is a price when you're walking in the move of God. Friend, I am so obsessed with God. I, I want you to know this, that there is an obsession that God wants to release. There is an addiction that God wants to release. I have been hardcore addicted for 10 years to the manifest presence of God. And there is nothing else in my life that could fill the void that the rush of his presence feels. There is nothing else that could fill the void that the touch of his word and the touch of his presence. And I wish somebody in here had a longing for the manifest presence. I wish somebody in here says, God, I want a desire like I've never had. Do you know what God wants to do to your church? He wants to save the senior pastor. I believe pastors are going to get saved tonight and born again by the power of the Spirit. God is going to resurrect the dry bones. You've been weary. You've been tired. But God says, I'm breathing life into every dead pastor. I'm enlisting you again. You're not going to be a wimp or a regular. Now, some of you, you want to be regular. You're just a regular. You want to be a regular church. You're in the wrong business. You can be regular and be barely saved. I'm not trying to be regular. I told God last week, I said, I want to be special forces. I want to be a sniper. What are you talking about? I, said, I want to be, what's the highest level I can be? That's where I want to be. And I started researching the military. And I learned that the average boot camp is two to three months in the military. Two to three months. That's the Navy. That's the Marines. That's the Army. That's the average two to three months. And then I said, well, I don't want to be a regular soldier like everybody else. I want to be a special forces. I want to be a sniper in your kingdom. I want to infiltrate. I want to tear down. I want to rebuild. I want to pull down strong. You said I've been given spiritual weapons for the pulling down. Then teach me how to pull down. You said every curse, every spell, every hex, all stuff can be broken by my word. I want, to, I want my words to break strongholds. I want my words to go into regions and begin to shift atmospheres. I want to make war in heavenly places. And God began to show me and God began to reveal this to me. And I started reading about the Navy SEALs. I said, okay. And I Googled. I said, well, what's the most intense special forces? Navy SEALs. And I began to read and I said, wow, Navy SEALs go through one year of intense training. And after one year of training, less than 1% of them graduate. And out of the 1% or less than graduate, the first deployment, a Navy still goes on is 30 months of training. So they go through one year, 1% graduate, then they train for 30 months how to infiltrate the enemy's camp. And then I'm looking at the Mamsie Pamsy American church with the coffee and the donut in one hand while the word of God sits dusty under their beds. And I'm going, how is it that we want to be special forces with our little 30 minute once a year deliverance teaching when God says, do you really want to enlist? It's going to cost you everything. There is a price to be paid to being in the move of God. I've lost track of how many birthdays I've missed for my kids. I've lost track of how many family reunions I wasn't able to be at. I've lost track of how many birthday parties of my grandfather who passed away, my grandma and my friends and my family, and how many times I've been here and I've been in the hotel room praying, preparing up all night, and family and friends all at my house hanging out, having fun, eating and partying and doing all the good stuff, and I'm sitting in a hotel room lonely in prayer saying, God, this is the price to revival. Oftentimes, we don't talk about the practical price of revival. You have to understand that if you want revival, you're going to have to shut down the Netflix. If you want revival, 
revival, the dishes might not get cleaned every night. Come on, man. If you want revival, you might have to call Domino's once in a while because you've got to rush to the prayer meeting. If you want revival, and I'm going to freak you out, and I know you're all going to hate me after this, you might have to take the kids out of the soccer team. You might have to take the kids out of football. You might have to pull her off the cheerleading squad. You might not be able to do your little movie night on Friday night because there's another prayer meeting where Fresh Start is burning the midnight oil and God is looking for you to come and make war. You've got to understand that we are more powerful together than we are alone. But you want your perfect, cute little life and want revival. And God says you have to choose one or the other because I'm looking to ruin everything. My brother, kids don't celebrate Halloween, huh? They don't dress up, huh? They don't have this team and they don't go here and you don't let them watch movies. Oh, they must not be normal and they must not fit in. I don't want them to be normal. I don't want them to fit in. Oh, well, brother, what if your girls miss out? Miss out on what? Demons? Miss out on depression? Miss out on suicide? Miss out on meth? I'm not looking for my kids to be normal. I want to raise them. Baby last week, and she came out of the womb. They handed her me, and I said, Lord, use her to preach your gospel or don't do anything with her. I said, God, I'm giving her to you in the surgery room after the C section. I said, I don't care if she's a martyr, that'd be the greatest honor because I want to raise up kids that live in another dimension. I want to be a person that lives more in the spirit. I wish I had another four hours than lives in the natural. I'm tired of being. Carnal. There's that one thing in your life you've been battling. <laughs> Tonight God says, give it to me. You want to be a regular soldier? You can be. We preach. I listen, I've preached this for years. I've read it. I'm so wrong about it. Well, we're all equal in God's kingdom. There's no rankings in God's kingdom. We all have the same authority and spirit. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says the demons came out and said, Peter, I know Paul, I know, but who are you? In other words, what rank are you? Because we haven't, your name has not come up in our boardroom and you've not shifted anything in the heavenlies and you might be known by the mayor, but you're not known by the principality of the city and you're not making impact in the spiritual realm. And then I begin to read Paul who says, you're not just soldiers. He said, but you can be a clay vessel and Sean Smith alluded to it the other night. He said, you could be a golden vessel. You could be a regular soldier or you could be a special forces tonight and you could wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness. See, understand that if you don't get this, give me one Pentecostal minute. If you don't get this and you don't begin to learn, I love what Pastor Kim said. She said, then start learning because if you don't, the devil will swallow up your city and you will be like the man that came to Jesus and said, I brought my sick son to your disciples and your disciples couldn't heal him. Years ago, I've shared this to you before. The Lord came to me and said, Isaiah, do you know on Judgment Day, the world's going to stand before the church and say, we brought the sick to the church and your church didn't heal them. We brought our demon possessed to your church and your church didn't heal them. So they were praying healing. Jesus goes, he doesn't need to be healed. He needs to be delivered. What does Jesus do? He casts the demon out of the boy, foams at the mouth, freaks out, rolls around, and the boy's free. And later on, after Jesus rebuked the junk food out of the disciples, uh, Jesus went to the back and they said, Peter, you might as well ask us. Peter, according to the Bible, asked more questions than anybody. And Peter said, well, I'm already on bad terms. I always have my foot in my mouth. I might as well ask him. He said, Jesus, we just want to know. Now, I know there's a thousand ways you preach this. And we've made it soft and nice. And said, oh, brother, it's okay. 
pig, you don't pray and fast, you can still do deliverance and still do spiritual warfare, and it's no big deal, and God's giving everyone the same authority, and Jesus was talking about the Old Covenant, we try to make up all this ridiculous revelation that's not in the Bible, but the actual translation, they came to Jesus, and they say, why couldn't we cast the demon out, why couldn't we win in the spirit, and Jesus said, these types of spirits, that's what your actual translation says, he says, these types of spirits, showing us there's multiple types of spirits, he said, they only can come out by prayer and by fasting, and it's not the boy's problem he didn't get free. It's the church that's lazy on the lazy boy of Christianity and is not willing to engage in the spiritual realm and to get in the place of prayer, holiness, and fasting and becoming a special force for the kingdom of God. And the lie that the enemy has fed the church is that the devil's up in hell somewhere running hell. Let me tell you something. That hell is not the devil's location. It's the devil's destination. The devil does not live in hell. The devil lives on the earth. The Bible tells us that he roams to and fro. The Bible tells us he is the prince of the air. The Bible tells us he is the lowercase god of the earth. And the devil has set up headquarters. He is incredibly organized. Meanwhile, the church is running around battling each other, where we whether we should put a piece of cloth over our face or not. And the devil is strategizing and taking territory while we're over here crying about whether we should wear a mask. And God is saying, I'm raising up a church that isn't going to deal with cause, but it's going to deal with effect. Daniel's praying 21 days. The angel comes and says, Daniel, the moment you begin to pray, I was dispatched. I used to preach this all the time, saying the moment you begin to pray, I, I came in, I, I started working. It's not what it says. It says the moment you begin to pray, I was dispatched. He said, but Daniel, understand that between me and between you, there was something between us, the Bible says, that was hindering me from getting down to you. What he was talking about was the headquarters of Satan, which is located in the second heavens. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, not the heaven and the earth. The Bible says Jesus descended and ascended above all of the heavens. Jesus said, I'm going to give you keys to the heavenlies. You've got to understand there's more than one heaven. Paul said, I knew a man 14 years ago. He doesn't know whether he was in his body or out of his body, but had a visitation, was up in the third heaven. And Paul says the third heaven was paradise. And we believe that the earth, yes, is the first heaven, the stars, the moon, the sky. God created the first heaven. And the third heaven, the Bible says, is paradise. And that leaves the second heaven, which is between us and God. Have you ever wondered why there's times where your prayers or your breakthrough are hindered? You have to understand that your prayers have to penetrate the second heaven. Where is that in the Bible? It's in Daniel 10. The angel said, I was trying to come to you, but there was something in the middle stopping me. And for 21 days, I was fighting the prince of Persia. Prince Persia having about 143 provinces. Back in those days, the prince was above the kings and the prince of Persia had demons under his command and we're going to learn this because the angel says that I'm going to go back up there because Michael is still fighting and I have to go back and fight the kings and then later he says the king of Greece is going to come and I'm going to have to battle him too what's your point? My point is Daniel's trying to liberate a nation and he understands I cannot liberate my city, liberate my community or liberate my county by going and hanging out with the mayor, I could only liberate them by getting in the place of fasting and prayer. And when I pray and fast, angels are released and begin to make war against demonic powers. Because once that prince gets defeated, 
the whole county gets set free. We're trying to set people free without dealing with the cause, which is the principalities and powers over regions. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 12, how can you go into the house of a strong man and plunder the strong man's goods unless you first bind the strong man? In other words, Jesus was saying, if you want to go in, the strong man has your family captive. The strong man has your community captive. The strong man's treasures are your unsaved loved ones. And he said, you think you're going to walk up in there with your dead Christianity and try to take back your family? He says, here's what's going happen if you don't deal with the strong man. You're going to walk up in that city, try to plant a church, and never get any success in that area, and never be able to break up the fallen ground. He said, because you didn't deal with the strong man. Here's what happens if you don't deal with the strong man. You live your life running around the house, being chased and tackled by the strong man, but never able to set anybody free that's under the power of the strong man. So Jesus says, the way you're going to set your family free, the way you're going to set your community free, the way you're going to set your county free is by first binding up the strong man of your area and then you'll have freedom and live liberty to set people free and I believe tonight God is going to release the power the anointing and the authority and God is going to begin to give you download and strategy on the strong man of your area and you're going to begin to make war and see breakthrough come on somebody help me in this Catholic church and breakthrough like never before but we always pray don't be all spiritual if I get the worship team don't be all spiritual he said Daniel the moment you begin to pray what happened when Daniel began to pray Angels started fighting. Friend, you know the devil's not the only one with spirits. But the Bible says angels are God's ministering spirits that are there to serve the heirs of salvation. I, I had a revelation one day. God says, you know how many bored angels are sitting up in heaven right now? He said, the church has left angels bored because they're not calling on them. Let me ask you this. I just want you to think about this and just get crazy with me for a minute. What would happen to your city if every morning you woke up, you asked the Lord to release a legion of angels upon your city? What happens to the demons that have been running your community when all of a sudden a thousand angels show up and start whooping up their tail? You have to understand that angels could do what you can't do because angels, the Bible says, not Isaiah, are God's spirits. That's why he said, I'm going to give you power to bind demonic spirits and loose my spirits. What spirits am I going to loose? My spirits. What are your spirits? My spirits are the angels, the ministering spirits of God that are there to serve the heirs of salvation. And we're trying to make war against things without tapping in to the weapons that God has given us. Listen, if you need breakthrough, deliverance, your city, whatever it is, I can't reach down your throat and pull a demon out of you. I can't. I'm natural. So God says, guess what? I got spirits too. Which is come in and we're going to release spirits. Oh, we got spirits too. And there's two of our spirits for every one of your spirits. For every one demon, there's two angels. But guess what happens? When we're praying for deliverance, when we're praying for regions, Angels start going out and dispatching and fighting. Every time you pray, angels, the Bible says, carry your prayers and fulfill the prayers of the saints. They're God's commanding. They're, they're there to guard the people of God, to be used to the people of God. There's, I could go into detail, but I won't because uh, we got plenty of preaching tomorrow still left. Okay? And I've been going over an hour. But God said, what would happen if you started releasing these over your church? Started releasing these over your ministry? Let me just ask you, don't raise your hand. When was the last time you, relo- you loosed angels upon your, your community? So Daniel's praying and praying and praying, and the angel says, Daniel, when you pray, I begin to war. I believe that God is going to release warfare in the spirit over your territory, over your area, and tonight God is saying, who is willing to enlist in my army? Who is willing to get on the front lines? And listen, let me just say this. You might, I know I, I didn't preach on 
a lot of it, but you might not know a lick about deliverance, a lick about praying in the spirit, a lick about principalities, powers, rulers, dominion, or you have no clue, you're like, I have no clue what this guy's talking about, I never even heard about this, and you're here, well, guess what, there's a thousand resources, there's a thousand people talking and teaching and preaching, you can go on my YouTube channel, find plenty of hours of it, but it's time for you, there's no more times to play games, there's no more time to play your church programs, and your church growth strategies, there's no more time to wallow around in the spirit of compromise, and let the enemy run our cities and our communities. This is the church God has given you, and it's time to take the keys back and say, God, I'm ready to enlist tonight in spiritual warfare. I'm ready to engage because this is an important component of revival. In our early days, we had witches every week coming. I got so tired of these witches coming. I was like, I'm not going to call you all out. You guys are just wasting my time. Trying to give me a little baby migraines before I preach. There's these little chaotic games. Every week, witches coming. And we got one of them. I was at a hotel two hours away, and the Lord and the devil came to me and said, There's a revival, and I drove two hours to try to break this thing down, and she ended up getting slain in the spirit and saved. Came back three weeks later with a long note of her testimony and how she's traveling and sharing at churches. 15 year old prayed for it, she got saved. And so I just got so tired of I'm done dealing with all these witches. I'm done dealing. I'm done just. I'm constant warfare. Let me tell you, if I didn't know how to deal with that warfare, I would have never survived in revival. Because the enemy comes to attack the uneducated, the unskilled, and those that are weak in the spiritual realm. But God says, today I am enlisting you. I'm not, now listen, I, I know we all do all our own altar calls. I do all, this is my altar call. I can do whatever I want. I'm not asking soldiers to come forward. If you just want to be an infantryman, do boot camp, and sit in boot camp the rest of your life, that's not who I'm asking tonight. I'm saying, if you're saying, God, I want to be a spiritual sniper. I want to be special forces. I want to go back to my territory, and I want to start a prayer meeting, and we're going to wrestle, and we're going to call upon angels, and we're going to see warfare break out, and we're going to begin to bind the strongman. We're going to begin to loose the spirits of God. We're going to begin to plunder the strongman's house, and we're going to take back the treasures in our family and our community. Somebody needs to get a passion to fight. Somebody needs to get a desire on the inside of you. Somebody needs to stop letting the enemy poke them in the eye and say, oh, over from the balcony are already coming down. But God, tonight, enlist me in your army. I am tired of being a civilian. I am tired of being average. Come on, if you're in this house, come to this altar right now and say, Lord, I'm enlisting to the special forces. I'm enlisting to the Holy Ghost Navy SEALs. I'm enlisting to the army of Almighty God. Lord, I want you to disciple me like you discipled Isaiah. I want you to train me. Wake me up in the midnight hour. Open up my ears in the spirit. Open Open up my eyes in the spirit to quicken my spirit and awaken my awaken the cry inside my heart. Satan, you have no power. Satan, you have no legal rights and no authority. And we ask right now, angels of the Lord, spirits, ministering spirits of God, Father, we pray that you would release them upon this house. We pray that you'd release them upon these churches. We pray that you'd release the spirit of awakening that Bob Jones prophesied about and the spirit and angel of revival that would be released upon this house and upon these churches. I pray for a Holy Ghost fire. I pray for a Holy Ghost anointing. I pray for an all-consuming fire. I pray that God would ruin in your cute church. I pray that God would make a mess of your cute life. I pray that God would release a fire on you that nothing else would satisfy. Nothing else would fill the void. Nothing else would quench your spirit. 
Cry out for your church. Cry out for your state. Say, Lord, show me the strong man. Show me the principality. It's time to go to war, church. Get off the sidelines and get on the front lines. Come on, where are the voices? Where are the generals? Who will be the next Derek Prince? Who will be the next Frank Hammond? Who will be the next Reinhard Bonnke? Who will be the next Oral Roberts? Who will be the next one to raise up? The voices are dying. Where are the voices? Come on, young people. Where are you at? It's time to go to war. It's time to go to battle. Spit the pacifier out. God says no more whips. No more whips. Warriors rise up. Soldiers rise up. God's equipping pastors right now. Don't be that church where people can't get free in your services. Don't be that church where people can't get healed. Don't be that church where you rush in and rush out and nobody experiences God. Father, come back into the church. Come back into our churches. Forgive us, Lord, that we put you out of the church. Forgive us, Lord, that we've neglected your presence and power. Come on, it starts in you, Pastor. God, let us be the most passionate. Father, we can't take our church to places we've never gone. We want to go places in the Spirit. Ask me, Jeremiah, and I'll show you mysterious things you do not know. Come on, the Amen. Walmart might overtake. Amen. Amen. That was the end of that. But I thank you guys for tuning in. Whoo! That was some good stuff. Amen. Did you guys enjoy that? Oh my God. It was so good. I'm going to, um, now that the sound system is, uh, working properly, I'm going to probably replay it again on a different broadcast. So we can hear it really good. I'm going to go back and see how the sound is. Thank you, uh, Sister Destiny, for tuning in. Uh, we have one more thing here. One moment. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Miller. I'm Prophetess Autumn Miller's husband. And I just wanted to take a short minute here and ask if there's anybody out there that does not know Jesus Christ and who he is and would like to get to know him and have a personal relationship. I would just ask you, if you would, wherever you're at right now, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I realize that I am a sinner and have broken your laws. I understand that my sin has separated me from you. I am sorry and I ask you to forgive me. I accept the fact that your son Jesus Christ died for me and was resurrected and is alive today. And here's my prayers. I now know my heart's open door and I invite Jesus in to become my Lord and Savior. I give him control and I ask that he would rule and reign in my heart so that his perfect will would be accomplished in my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Congratulations. If you prayed this prayer in all sincerity, you are now a child of God. That's right. You roll with God in the kingdom. However, there's still a few more steps that you need to do to follow up your commitment that would be get baptized in full immersion in water as commanded by Christ. Tell someone else about your new faith in Christ. Spend time with God each and every day. Prayer and in the reading of the Bible, his word. Amen. You all have a blessed day. Y'all have a blessed day, he said. Okay, Pastor, we see you. Okay, we can make close out. But before we do, y'all know we got a jam.
Y'all know we gotta jam it out. Rogers, you guys, you guys, he has a lot of good music, so check him out if you uh, haven't heard any of his music. Hey, thank you for tuning in. This is your natural wellness coach, Autumn Miller. Yes, also known as Prophet to the Nation. I am a certified natural wellness coach. I specialize in essential oils, herbs, womb therapy, and natural organic eating. Um, if you need some help and some assistance, please direct message me and I will give you more details. Looking forward to hearing from you. We're looking forward from hearing from you guys. Yes, we're getting this podcast together, guys. 
Hey, this is Profit to the Nation. If you're looking for a place to advertise your business, your products, here's a platform available for you. All you have to do is direct message me, and I'll get in contact with you for more details. God bless you. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Destiny, for hanging in with us. It's been kind of long. I hope you enjoy Life Aloud Funky Soul Gospel. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed yourself. Please share and please like the episode. It, it helps the podcast grow. And also, I'm trying to get on the, the list where people be able to find me on the top 20 list. So if you can share and like the page, I appreciate that. Thank you for everybody tuning in, Ghana, everyone from the United States, everyone from Africa that came in and out excuse me, came in and out the room. I hope you could hear. Yes, I liked it. And let me know when you're, it's coming on again. I sure will. I'm going to play. He has another one on visions and dreams. So I think I'm going to play that next because that really helped me a lot because that's how the Lord uses me in vision and dreams, as y'all like to see on Facebook. <laughs> so I'm going to share that probably next. Just set your notifications. I normally post it, and if you can catch it, you'll be able to hear it live. If not, you'll have to um, catch the replay because once I post this, you'll be able to replay it, and then you'll be able to hear it anytime you want. Mostly the shows, after they're live, they go on replay, and then you can um, hear it whenever you want. All right, love you, girl, and I'll be praying for you down there. Praying for everybody, and let's take in this word and soak on it, and please share because there's many others that need to hear All right, God bless you guys. 91 Psalms, go read that. Love you. Bye-bye.